welcome to the Bull City Summit Podcast, a place where science, technology, art, and music converge, and a place where you can hear more about the Bull City Summit, September 14th to 18th, 2022, in the Bull City of Durham, North Carolina. Today, BCS CEO Parag Bhandari posts from the EarFluence Podcast Studio at American Underground in Durham. Here's Parag. Hey, this is Parag with the Bull City Summit Podcast. I am at American Underground, the basement of American Underground here at the EarFluence Studio with Nahal Mehta. You know, Bull City Summit uh, obviously is a lot of things, or we're trying to be a lot of things, but we're super psyched to have Nahal today because one of the things that we are focusing and showcasing on is, you know, all things entrepreneurship. Um, Nahal, who actually is my cousin, and that's not because we're Indian and we're all related. Um, he's actually my cousin. We are. We actually are all 1.5 billion of us are all related. We're actually the same person, but uh, we're, we're going to get into that later. I'm I'm super excited for this conversation because he's going to shed a lot on a lot of the entrepreneurship and various different technology and science uh, things that we're trying to showcase with Bull City Summit. Before we get into that, Nahal, I'd love it if maybe you can do a quick little intro um, about you, your amazing history in technology and startups and in investing. Uh, maybe give a quick little uh, background on you. Well, listen, it's great to be here. Um, and, you know, high level, I've been an entrepreneur for almost three decades, been building startups and investing in startups about half and half of that time. Uh, most of my startups failed, which uh, that I created, which uh, happens to startups. But when you're building a startup, you, you never think it's going to happen uh, until it does. And there's a very high probability that your startup will fail. But I think I'm hopefully a better investor than than an actual founder because the majority of our investments have not failed. Nice. So that is that is a that is a good outcome of the past almost three decades of doing building tech. Uh, companies you've heard of that have been lucky to be a part of include Uber, AdMob, Airbnb, Attentive, Alloy, Boxed, Outlet. The list kind of goes on. I've been investing through a firm that I created with three friends from college uh, called ENIAC, E-N-I-A-C. Uh, the website's ENIAC.vc, so you can check out more about us more about us there. But um, that's the super high level. I fell in love with, with the earliest part of a startup, which is that zero to 60 uh, phase, the seed stage phase, and that's where we invest. And we fell in love with that stage of the business while we were building you know, companies at that stage. I, I love the way you you describe that because it started out and talks um, from an area and a virtue that you have embraced and spoken about, and one that I've uh, really admired you for, and, and others um, is you. You know, you're coming from a, a initial place of, for lack of a better word, failure, and the way you've taken failure or your first go at being an entrepreneur and how that has created so many values that have have done uh, everything but but failure. Maybe before we get into a, a whole bunch of other things, maybe we can talk about that first. Is is I know you've you've spoken about this and you've you've got this this virtue of the values that you've learned from failure. You know, you mentioned that most of your startups have 
have, you know, I hate that word fail because failure is, doesn't really exist. But in, in terms of the, the viability of the business, uh, maybe we can start off with that. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I consider myself lucky because my very first startup went bankrupt in 2001. You know, I built it out of my college dorm. I love that. I love that. that. I built it out of my, you know, college uh, senior year, actually, house with my roommate, VJ, who you know very well. Mm-hmm. And we built it in 1999. It was a very heady time, much like 2001 was for a lot yeah. of folks, especially in Web3. 99 was the 2021 of Web1. Two years later, it crashed. And by the way, that's not very dissimilar to what's happening right now in 2022. I'm what totally going to get there. Yep. In, you know, what happened, uh, you know, kind of a quarter ago and it's still, it's still happening probably for another year, year and a half. But anyway, my point is looking back at, at the time, it was extraordinarily painful, you know, humbling, humiliating. And it took a while to come out of that, certainly buying back the assets, starting something new. Sure. But I, but I realized the second time around with that incredible chip on your shoulder, you have more motivation to succeed than any t- other human being, right? And that's your own chip that you put on your own shoulder that you earn through your own failure. And, you know, just being able to get up, dust yourself off. It takes people, by the way, weeks, months, years mm-hmm. to do this and look failure in the eye. And to basically, at some point, realize that you've been through kind of the worst thing that you can be through in business and you're still alive and you can, you basically come out of that is this incredible feeling of invincibility because if the worst thing kind of happened to you and, and, and this, and that was it, and it's in the rearview mirror, it's just upside from there. And so Anyway, I am very lucky and fortunate that that was my very first start of experience. I love what, where you're going with this because you're, you keep on saying, and again, I hate that word failure. This is this is you know anything but. You know, you've learned. I've watched you grow um, from that moment to to where you are now, and that humility and that step by step is there, and it's there because of of the passion that you had towards your first venture and then it not working out financially, but it worked out in pretty much every other way. Um, hearing you speak and seeing what you've done over the years. So I, I want to go back to that because there's a lot of people listening that are artists that are putting out their first album or their startups from RTP and RDU. We've got a bunch of companies showcasing next month that are literally negative two people You've got a bunch of other creatives and businesses that were established that got hit hard by the pandemic and now trying to come back. The failure is a four-letter F word, but that's really it. And and what you've pulled from that has led to God knows how many other businesses um, and other success stories. And and you know, maybe, you know, before we talk to talk about ENIAC and like sort of the current state of 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 the business. You know, walk us through maybe that first experience which you, which you just talked about, and then how that has helped shape, you know, probably what six or seven other companies that you yourself have founded before getting into investing. What were some of those lessons that you took with you after thinking it was all over? Yeah, I mean, the you know the biggest one is that there's no success without failure. You know, and basically after every failure, you're actually one step closer to success. There's a great quote by Biz Stone, the co-founder of Twitter, that I actually had plastered in one of my startups 
on one of my startup's walls and it said, you know, 10 years of trying turned me into an overnight success. And uh, it's really 10 years of failing, you know. And so as an entrepreneur, you know, that's what it's about. It's a roller coaster every day. Highs of high, lows of low, oftentimes within the same hour. You know, I don't know why we do it. I think we're attracted to those highs and we have the chip on our shoulder to to, to get us through. And there's this some semblance of a greater mission as to why we're doing what we're doing. Totally. But anyway, you know, as an investor now, you know, I tell every founder I meet to fail fast. Uh, I, I ideally not on my dime, you know, ideally, <laughs> you know, before, before we've invested. And actually, when we meet entrepreneurs, specifically serial co-founders that have failed together before or tasted a small bit of success before, that's actually a very positive signal for us from a from a pattern match. That's I, I remember so you, that's one of the things you look for. Yeah, those companies in our portfolio have done, you know, have been outliers in terms of doing extremely well. And I think it's because specifically when you're in the, you know, in the trenches with somebody and and you go through a failure and a challenge and you still want to work with them again. So you've had your hands around each other's necks and you still want to do it again with totally. those those same people it means the world. And, you know, the number one killer of startups at, at a very early stage is really co-founder chemistry or, or lack of co-founder chemistry. Sure. So. And by the way, I've experienced that at a startup that I founded. But yeah, getting back sure. to your question, you know, that the startup that went bankrupt in 01 was called Urban Groove. We actually ended up selling or, or giving the name to uh, <laughs> another random cousin who I'm still trying to chase down money. money <laughs> actually, I don't even think we had a, an agreement. Yeah, I, think yeah, we, I think we, we probably had one, we just never signed it. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so that, that went bankrupt. The next company was called Ipsh, IPSH, which... Uh, we did not give you the name to after no, uh, no. that business that was, was a part. Yeah, I think that was really motivated by, you know, the chip on my shoulder, wanting to make something succeed. Also, you know, we raised a bunch of money in Urban mm-hmm. Groove mm-hmm. with a bunch of, you know, Indian uncles and aunties mm-hmm. that basically, you know, we were the we were the talk of the town when we were riding high in 99, 2000. Mm-hmm. Those dot-com whizzes, wizards, <laughs> you know, and then. What those, do they do? Yeah, exactly. And then post-01, uh, when the bubble crashed, 9-11, we went bankrupt. You know, at the Diwali parties, they're like, those kids got from bankruptcy, you know? And we were like, <laughs> you know, we, we were like those kids at the party. And so... You still are. We we still are. And so it, anyway, what <laughs> we did is we uh, we moved those folks over to, it, you know, the next company, Ipsh. Yeah. And fortunately, that one, you know, we built off positive cash flow. We realized that there was more to a business than just page view page views and hits if you can't monetize mm-hmm. those things and so mm-hmm. we built that up as a as a SaaS business model and ended up getting acquired by Omnicom very large public ad holding company this is like 20 years ago this is super at early the end of 2005 yeah, yeah. yeah it's almost 20 years ago 18 years ago now and so yeah I was in my 20s and that was like my first win and it felt incredible to first of all to vindicate myself from this failure mm-hmm. you know to actually go through a cycle where you're going through bankruptcy buying back the assets still trying being broke you know i was in san francisco djing mm-hmm. under the urban group moniker still i think uh to pay yeah, my I slept rent. on your couch i was uh, less broke you slept on <laughs> my couch when i slept on the floor 
Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's, um, it's the Indian way. Yeah, but, but you know, that, that was a great time because you realize what you're capable of, you know, in those tough times. And you also realize that, you know, tough times never last, but, but tough people do. And, totally. you know, if you just keep on fighting another day and, and, and being persistent and being resilient, you know, things will change. Yeah, that's what I mean about, you know, the definition of failure. Like maybe the iteration of that first company or second company or third company or whatever it happens uh, goes away. But, you know, you've clearly taken those virtues and continued this process and it's led to led to ENIAC. And now it's 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 led to an investment career. I hope you're done starting companies, by the way. But well, you're well, 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 ENIAC, ENIAC is our startup, right? Yeah, but you know, but it, it is. I mean, literally, we fundraise for ENIAC, we iterate strategy and our products and our marketing and our sales. You know, it, it is a it is a startup. I mean, our product is I think what I, what I meant was it's, it's a startup with a whole bunch of knowledge underneath it, where yeah. as it's not just a startup as your previous startups. And I think the success of ENIAC is setting a model for new entrepreneurs and new investors, but frankly, based on the trials and tribulations that you've gone through. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And then, yeah, you know, the day after we sold Ipsh, I, uh, I paid back all my debt. I bought a small crib in New York that Hmm. now, you know, post dog, girlfriend, now wife, kids is a, duplex but it's the same core small apartment that you know that that I acquired literally the day that I bought the day after her company was acquired and nice. so it's a nice little uh remnant and memory you know living in that place and 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 reminds you of of the struggle actually I remember totally last year I think I posted this on LinkedIn we had a, a big exit within the ENIAC portfolio and for whatever reason it made me remember the days that I had to Post bankruptcy, I was I was I wasn't able to pay back my credit card debt, and so I used a credit card aggregator, basically a debt consolidator. Uh, sorry, it's called Dedicated. D e d d e p t whatever. Anyway, it's like the worst pun ever because you know whatever. And anyway, ironically, last year, right when we got this big exit, yeah, I got a check from some legal service that basically said I was entitled, like dedicated, owed me money from 20 years ago. And I totally, I totally forgot about this whole service. And of course the check was like for $2. So, you know, these like very large class action lawsuits that lawyers make a big deal out of. And it's like, congrats, you've been awarded. And you're like, what is it? What is it? $2 and 78 cents. You're like, Oh my God. Where uh, were you two years ago? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, this was 20 years ago, but anyway, it was was a nice little, you know, kind of harmony in the universe that like literally had the biggest exit in my career. One of my biggest exits in my career in venture that was in, in, you know, parallel with, uh, you know, this debt that I was paying off. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. My first startup that went bankrupt. So, you know, moral of the story is keep going, keep persisting, live another day, align yourself to, you know, something you are extremely passionate about. You know, when you do that, 
success is inevitable because you're thinking about it 24 hours a day. That's, yeah, that's you know, that's the that, process. Totally. That's more than Elon Musk. That's more than Bill Gates. That's more than anybody. Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos is, is when you think about one, th- you know, that one thing you're passionate about, right. You become an expert in that very quickly. And that, yeah. that breeds success, that breeds gravity of attracting talent and capital and ultimately success. So that's kind of like looking back, you know, the formula now, nobody knows that when they're starting out for the first time. I think you also have to experience it firsthand because you can read infinite Harvard business case reviews and infinite articles off of Twitter. But until you actually feel that visceral pain, are you not able to develop the chip on your shoulder that is actually the the core driver of making you remarkable and making you exceptional and making your next business or the business or soon after being that riveting success. Yeah. Right? You just nailed it there. That's it right there. And that's what I was trying to get yeah, at. You, you got to feel it. You got to do yeah. it. It's going to suck and you're going to feel the pain, but without feeling the pain, you will not be able to, you know, attain that incredible success. No, that's great, man. And, and I want to go, I want to go on that too, because like that, 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 that says it right there. And it's a good segue to ENIAC because I'm sure that experience, and it's a very natural, painful, expensive experience that you've gone through, that other entrepreneurs have gone through, that we've all gone through, that helps shape your your decision or your curation, your selections, and who you're investing um, with now with ENIAC. So let's talk about ENIAC and let's talk about you know, obviously the current state of investment post pandemic and how screwed uh, things are. But before that, talk a little bit more about ENIAC. What is the genesis and why has this become, you know, such a big priority for you with all the other ventures that you've been a part of? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, actually a buddy of mine, two summers last summer, you know, John Seitz said, you know, when I read this quote, I think about you and it was the definition of of success, and you know, success. What the psychologist said is, success means that other people around you are successful. You know that you've basically had your hands you've had your hands in some way, shape, or form. That's good. Yeah. You, you know, you, you've been a part of other folks' success, and by doing that, you you've made them successful. And I think when I was kind of meditating on my purpose now it's helping founders realize their dreams, you know, like, and, and by the way, capital is a very small part of that. Everything else that we do, you know, at the seed stage, it's a lot of therapy, to be honest. It's a lot of just literally back and forth and, and just being a sounding block for, uh, you know, for folks. But, but anyway, that's, you know, that's, that's my purpose. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm very excited that I can do that through the firm. And that help our portfolio founders um, realize that, and also every founder that we meet. You know, we want to help them through some introduction in our network. If they've taken the time to pitch us for thirty minutes or whatever it is, then we should take the time for a few minutes to make an intro that can potentially change the course of their business, right? And we try to do that with every meeting. And uh, anyway, it's a ton of fun, and um, I hope to do this, you know, for the rest of my life as long as I can. That's amazing, and and it's 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 the path that you've gone through the ups and downs that have you know created sort of you know i'm gonna use the word filter again uh, on, on on your investments and your portfolio and and 
And like, and you just said, it's like, it's really not about the check or anything about that. It's about the story and you seeing yourself as an entrepreneur in some of the entrepreneurs or technologies or companies that the company is, is, is backing. So I like to think that like BCS and first of all, I was super psyched to have you come next month. It's, it's good to, to have that curation and to have you have that lens for it. And, uh, ENIAC, uh, is what now on its third fund, the fourth fund? Am I, are we on ENIAC four? Or f- we're on ENIAC five, and we'll ENIAC be five. yeah, we'll be ENIAC six in twenty twenty four. But we're so uh, you've got okay. six funds that you've pushed through incredibly successfully. Um, well, and- I wouldn't say incredibly successfully. I mean, all these funds have been a roller coaster. Fortunately, we, yeah, all of them are doing great. But um, you know, it's it's not like I said, it's like a startup, right? Everyone yeah. is a little bit of a roller coaster and yeah um you know um and i hope there are more roller coasters to come you know because without without the lows there's no highs so what are the companies or uh some of the criteria that maybe people that are listening that ENIAC looks for when you're looking to invest are there certain industries um how can people get in touch with you or do you do you have open solicitations stuff like that yeah you can go to eniac.vc and just submit your pitch so we rolled this out earlier this year and we're getting pitches, you know, hundreds of pitches a week from all over the world. We read every one, but the one, the pitches that resonate with us, you know, because we're engineers, um, we kind of like technology moats. So that means there's something unique, uh, in the software, um, that is differentiated initially. It's an early, you know, investment. So we're usually the first kind of one to $2 million check, mm-hmm. um, so it's always pre-series A. That means pre-seed and seed. It cuts across, you know, many different verticals: climate tech, health tech, fintech, prop tech. You know, we're pretty agnostic. We've been doing a lot of Web three lately. Mm-hmm. So uh, hard tech, uh, quantum, robotics. So uh, you know, you'll get a good flavor. Again, go go to eniac.vc if you're an entrepreneur out there. And you just want some feedback, uh, you can always uh, reach me. I'm Nahal, N-I-H-A-L, at ENIAC.vc, uh, or on Twitter, just at Nahal Mehta, and I'll get back to you. would love to help you realize your dream. Amazing. Amazing. So thank you for that, by the way. And um, um, we'll, we'll post the email and the contact, and we're, we're psyched to have you next month. And we can kind of get into that now. So... Uh, you'll be coming to moderate um, the State of Crypto panel. Can't wait to have you. Can you give a little, What? where, where are we at? How screwed are we? Or how screwed are you? <laughs> you know, like what the, the, the cryptocurrency and blockchain market over the past six or seven months has nosedived and that's putting it nicely. You know, you've got the market somewhat coming back. You've got crypto coming back somewhat, but there's still a lot of doubt and volatility. Um, what are you seeing? What are your recommendations? Do you think, uh, I guess maybe we can start off, is uh, is crypto real or is it going away? And um, I know it's not going away, but how fast uh, how, 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 how fast was this was this tank that we just experienced and how permanent is it? Yeah, I mean, listen, Web3 and crypto is not going away. You know, we think blockchain, you know, is a new type of, not really new, but it's a it's the next era of uh, computing. And, mm-hmm. 
more and more businesses um, are going to incorporate blockchain technologies. It's essentially what mobile was in the early 2000s, where, you know, uh, ultimately every business now has, you know, mobility as a big part of their core offering. And it feels like the internet, honestly, of like 96 or 97. So in other words, you know, the majority of businesses being built today in Web3 will probably fail, you know, from the initial kind of facade that they're being conceived out of. But out of 96 and 97 comes Amazon, comes Google, you know, like, and so we do think that, you know, the next Amazon and Facebook and Google are being created right now. And these will be realized probably five, seven years from now, you know, and they're all going to be built on Web3. And so we are definitely paying attention, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we realize it's a high fail rate right now. I think the large part of the crash was because there was all this propped up money. And a lot of it was, you know, from government um, injection where folks had a lot of extra capital to spend and they went gambling, you know, and essentially the tip of the spear for crypto Web3 was, you know, token. And besides your three Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, the vast majority of token really have no utility other than gambling, you know, to be frank. And so a lot of money was pumped in there. And when people realized that there was no utility, a lot of it went right back out. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, that that's unfortunate. You know, we know a lot of folks that have lost so much money doing that. Internally, we've limited the, we've constrained our funds to be a fraction of our funds in Web3 so that we can just be very methodical and um, safe while also not missing huge opportunities. And so it's just as exciting, maybe even more exciting than mobile. You know, when we started investing in ENIAC 1 in 2010, it was all across the mobile ecosystem. You know, we hit some winners like Uber and it feels very much safer. Do you think it's safer this time around? Or, or do you just know what it, you're doing this time around? Or is there something fundamentally different? different? I mean, I think I think the, the one driver is all the talent is going to Web3. Mm-hmm. If you talk to any great founder, any amazing, incredible serial founder, or any incre- incredible developer, they're building Web3. Mm-hmm. You know, from Jack Dorsey to Elon to whoever it is, mm-hmm. like they're obsessed. And that's for a reason. So in terms of safety, I, I mean, I... You know, I think from a security standpoint, because most of the things are publicly linked on the blockchain, you know, I think there there probably are going to be interesting security companies. And I don't think safety is necessarily a concern. I know recently there's been a lot of hacks and, you know, that happens with any kind of new technology. I mean, if you look at Web 2 and Web 1, server hacks were probably more prone, you know, in those types of architecture than they are in these but that's going to happen every time there's an innovation wave, you know? Yeah. I'm very excited. You know, I think it's going to be very big. I mean, we're going to look, be looking back 10 years from now and just be like, you know, this was a blip in terms of th- th- that innovation curve is always ahead of the utility. And you always see bits and pieces of brightness. The majority of it fails, but then, you know, the entire category moves forward in a very big way. So we're in a correction. You know, what, what's happened this year is a correction, I guess, with crypto. Yeah, and I think, and I think it'll, yeah. it'll continue to as well, you know, until there's real utilitarian mm-hmm. uh, use cases being built out in Web3. But that's happening right now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're invested in a couple dozen teams that blow us away every time we talk to them. Are NFTs viable? Are NFTs 
going to make it in terms of what blockchain will eventually offer to the consumer? Or is that still up in the air? NFTs, think of it like baseball cards. Not all baseball cards are valuable, but you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of them are. And there will always be a market for the super valuable baseball cards, you know, and super rare baseball cards. And I think that's how you think about NFTs in general. Interesting. Like, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Board apes like obviously have crashed significantly, but there's still a market for them, you know? Um, and that's why their floor is still whatever it is today, hundred grand or something where it was 500 before, 600 before. I don't know where it is today, but, um, so anyway, I think there'll always be a market for that kind of stuff, but the NFT use case is not just in a collectible, you know, which I think people are starting to explain understand. that. What, what do you mean by that? I mean, you can basically tokenize anything and actually a company we're investing in now is thinking about tokenizing cap tables, is thinking about tokenizing employment agreements, oh. thinking about tokenizing essentially any contract. Why? What's the what's the benefit for a consumer who has no idea or interest in that contract? So think about or is it not for the or is it not for the consumer? Well, think about like as an investor, right? So 20 years ago we had paper stock certificates. 10 years ago we have digital stock certificates that are rep- representation of the paper. A company like Carta controls a lot, a large market share of that. In the future, these will be NFTs, which basically means, you know, you open up a page, your wallet, and you actually can see the real time value of that investment. And it's not updated once a quarter, like Carta might be. It's updated in real time as often as these APIs, these programmable APIs are updated from the company. That, that, that'll no, sorry to interrupt, but that, that all makes sense. Like that completely makes sense. In fact, that it's a tech, you know, it's a new iteration of a technology that shows you what value you have and something that you own. That that's fine. But is it, and I'm, I'm speaking from, you know, a point of naivety because NFTs just seem like they're just collect, like you said, you know, the baseball card analogy is great. The value in having that real-time smart contract or smart NF or smart item is kind of lost when it when it when it comes to actually trading it, right? Is there a, is there a public trade value or is it really just a security value? Well, in in this use case, you know, when a financial contract is tokenized, you can actually immediately sell it on a secondary, you know. Barring, barring like regulatory constraints. I mean, imagine your house is a token, your car is a token, and you can basically immediately trade it on an exchange, just like OpenSea, where people can just start bidding on it like you would a collectible. People can bid on your investment or your share of this company or your share of this venture fund or your house or your car. I mean, there's a lot of hurdles to get through, but that's Mm -hmm. the that's the kind of sci-fi vision of why tokenizing these assets could be beneficial and create efficiencies. Tokenizing it for the sake of tokenizing the transaction makes sense, but not, but I I'm, I'm at a loss of why would I bid on your contract? Right. Other than it is an asset from a, from a limited source, which I'm sure has some value. Yeah. So like, for example, I have invested in a private company, right? So just say before Uber was public, right? Mm -hmm. So I can actually tokenize that investment Mm -hmm. and I can immediately throw it out into the public market and just say, folks bid on, bid on this. You know, I, I want to get rid of it. I want to liquidate it. 
and you could see it like an OpenSea NFT, like NFT on OpenSea, and people can bid on it and you yeah. can accept it. And obviously that transaction is going to be bound by a rofer that the company has to actually transfer that share. But 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 that's the vision. And anyway, my point is NFTs, collectibles are the tip of the iceberg for NFTs, yeah. Yeah. just like gambling is the tip of the iceberg for tokens. Yeah. And um, there's a lot more utility and we're, we're going to start to build that, you know, over time. And uh, anyway, I'm super excited about it. You can actually go to our website and see all the Web3 companies we've invested in. Amazing. Thank you for explaining that because I actually feel a little bit better on this uh, subject. Uh, but maybe you can explain a little bit more. When you're here, back in Durham, in approximately six weeks' time. Nahal Mehta, thank you so much for joining us. Love you, brother. Congrats on what you're building, man. It's real. Thanks, brother. See you soon. For everybody interested in attending the Bull City Summit, September 14th to 18th, visit bullcitysummit.com to get tickets and info on upcoming events. This podcast was edited and produced by Earfluence. Thanks for listening to the Bull City Summit podcast. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of EarFluence.